Hey everyone, welcome to the Mind Money Balance Podcast. It's Lindsay here. No fancy intro today. I wanted to kind of shift gears from my my regular content on money and money mindset because if you're not aware, which makes sense, because a lot of this stuff that I'm going to be talking about has not been covered by traditional media outlets. And I wanted to use my platform to amplify what has been going on within the Asian community and specifically an increase in violence toward the Asian community. And if you are wondering why I am using my platform for this, it is because money is inherently intersected with our various identities. Money is impacted by our race, by our gender, by our religion. There are so many different things that make money inseparable from being a a wildly political thing. Not that I should have to justify why I'm using my platform for the way I want to use my platform, but I just want to kind of connect the dots in the event that you're, you're a little bit confused. This is certainly not the first time I have spoken about intersectionality and money, but it definitely won't be the last. And if you are new here, then I would recommend maybe refreshing your memory with some of the terms I'll be using today. You can rewind back or scroll on back to episode 15 of the Mind Money Balance podcast on intersectionality, money, and mental health. I'll just kind of set the tone for what you'll be hearing during today's podcast episode. So as I mentioned, there has been an increase in anti-Asian hate crimes over the past year that have risen with COVID that have largely been omitted by traditional media outlets. Um, I'm recording this on Friday, February 12th. And so far, me personally, I have only seen three news stories covering the increased violence towards anti-Asian or the increased violence towards the Asian community. Are there more? Probably. But me personally, I've only seen three. Take that for whatever you will. Most of the sharing of this increased violence has really happened on social media and within and between the Asian community. In the United States, behind Black folks and Jewish people, Asian Americans are the largest target of hate crimes in the United States. And there have been an increase of of attacks on Asian elders in the Bay Area of California with over 20 reported attacks in January of 2021. And over the past year, 81.5% of Asian youth in the United States have reported being bullied or harassed last year in 2020. And if you're not really sure what to say about this, if you haven't heard about this yet, or maybe you have heard about it, but you're not sure if it's your lane, it's really simple. You can simply say, I condemn violence toward Asians. Asian people matter. And if you are in a space where you overhear or you are directly a recipient of xenophobic and racist language, simply interrupt it and say, that type of language isn't okay. Please don't use it. I know for some folks, they're feeling like it's inappropriate to talk about Asian lives during February, which is Black History Month here in the United States. To that, I say, we can and should be amplifying Black lives and voices year-round, not just during one month, the shortest month of the year. We can hold space for more than one marginalized group at the same time. We really need to be focusing on unity and solidarity between the Black and Asian communities. 
You can absolutely educate yourself on Black history, research Black joy, amplify Black voices while condemning violence against Asians. The response to increased violence against Asians should absolutely not be a call for rewards or additional policing. It should absolutely be increased community care and solidarity and mutual aid. At the end of the day, the enemy here is racism and white supremacy and infighting within marginalized communities is exactly what white supremacy wants is to divide us and to sell us this idea that there is only so much freedom and liberty for one group. And that is incredibly false. There is more than enough freedom and liberty and abundance to go around, but white supremacy will have us fighting over crumbs. And if you're worried about speaking up against violence towards Asians, if you're worried that somebody is going to call you a snowflake or being fake woke or, or, you know, participating in meme activism, here's the deal. You don't have to know everything about what is going on to be able to point it out and say that is wrong. Here's a template you can use. I may not be an expert, but I know enough to know that hate and violence against the Asian community is wrong. And you can use that exact same template for any marginalized group. I may not be an expert, but I know enough to know that hate and violence against the black community is wrong, against the Jewish community is wrong, against the non-Christian community is wrong, against LGBTQIA folks is wrong, against trans folks is wrong, against disabled folks, against neurodiverse folks. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You do not have to be an expert to know that hate and violence against a marginalized group is wrong. I'm getting heated, as I have a tendency to do. But what I want to play for you next is a video that I recorded about my personal story and my personal experience in speaking up over this past week about violence towards Asians and the responses that I got. And I want to say that after I recorded this video and put it out into the interweb, a couple of things have happened. One was that I realized that Facebook is really not a safe platform for a lot of people. And I have to keep Facebook because I have a business. And irritatingly, you have to have a business Facebook page for a lot of people to believe that you're a real business. So I will maintain my Facebook business page, but like from behind the scenes, I've actually blocked Facebook on my internet browser. I've deleted Facebook, the Facebook app from my phone. I've deleted Messenger from my phone. It just doesn't feel safe because when I called out a request for solidarity, I was met with things like, you are too white passing to have a say. Asians aren't really POC, people of color. How can we speak out against violence against Asians when the Asian community hasn't been there for me? Fill in the blank with whatever me is, a person of a marginalized group. So anyway, I recorded this video about my thoughts on whether or not I do have a say as a white passing Asian woman. And, and the answer I came to is resoundingly yes. Yes, of course I have a say. And then the other thing that has happened since recording that video is an incredible outpouring of support from my family, from my friends, from people who only know me through social media. And I appreciate the solidarity and the support. And while I adore having additional space to feel like I'm seen and I'm heard, what I need from you, if you have reached out to me to say thank you for recording that video, to say thank you for speaking out against violence towards Asians, I need for you to take the next step and ask others in your community to also do the same. 
Again, you can use some of the language that I've used here today, but we need your support. I appreciate that I'm able to use my white passing privilege to ask for allyship, to put a face to the Asian identity. And and I need from you, if you have reached out to me, to take that next step. And that next step might just be having a conversation within your household about what's going on. That next step may be increasing diversity of voices from Asian folks, whether that is in the TV you watch, the books you read, the podcast you consume. It may be speaking up and speaking out against violence. There are so many different ways to get involved. I wrote a piece on my blog, mindmoneybalance.com slash blog and videos about what to do when you feel hopeless. And there's a whole section there dedicated to what to do to be a part of your community and be a part of political activism if marching in the streets is not safe or it's not your preferred method of being involved. So there's a whole list of resources of different ways to get involved, and it certainly doesn't have to be picketing in the streets, though it can be. With that, here is my video. You will hear the audio of it, obviously, because it is a podcast. And I thank you. I thank you for being here. I thank you for listening. I thank you for holding space for my podcast to take a little detour when it's needed. Take good care. Be safe. (sighs) This one's really hard for me, but it also feels incredibly important to be talking about. I want to talk specifically today about the increased attacks against Asian Americans and the Asian American rhetoric that we are currently facing right now. And not because other other suffering and disparities don't exist, but to really highlight what is happening. As you can tell, I pre-recorded this. I'm not doing this live because I don't trust that I would be able to regulate myself in the event of certain comments. And I'm turning comments off for this one because it's been it's been a fucking week. I'm a therapist, I'm a social worker, and I've seen almost no coverage from other therapists talking about what's happening right now in the Asian community. I kept waiting and waiting and and hoping somebody would speak up. And I eventually said something just asking for acknowledgement and solidarity in a group of therapists that was supposed to be safe for BIPOC. And there was so much blowback about anti-Asian rhetoric and sentiments. And I want to specifically talk about my experience because Asian people are not a monolith. I specifically want to talk about what it's like to be a person who straddles two worlds, to be a person who is white passing, and how that has been more amplified over this past week. My self-questioning, my identity, my internal and external gaslighting that I've been experiencing. For as long as I've been advocating for other groups, other marginalized groups, I really honestly don't get that much pushback occasionally at the start of Black Lives Matter, the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, rather in like May, June of 2020, I'd get occasional comments about like, stay in your lane, isn't your job to talk about money or isn't your job to talk about mental health. A couple of times when I posted about the increase in anti-Semitism that our country was experiencing, I'd get like Bible verses posted, but I wasn't told the things that I've been told over the past week. Things like 
you're being too preachy, you're being too presumptuous, you don't have a say because you're white passing, I'm not able to hear this because Asians haven't shown up for me, and are Asians even people of color? And because of my white privilege, because of my ability to pass as white or maybe ethnic or racially ambiguous, I could easily say, not my job putting up my, my white privilege shield and going about my business. But I specifically asked my email list yesterday to include me in their advocacy because I want to really point out that Asian people are not a monolith. Multiracial people are not a monolith. Bi- bicultural people are not a monolith. And people who you don't think are X, Y, and Z Asian are. And to personify what is going on when we are talking about the increase in hate and hate crimes against Asian Americans. Because I can hide in my whiteness, in my ability to pass, I've also sat front row when people say horrifically racist things in front of me. And then I have to say, by the way, I'm I'm Filipina. And then I get I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Which is also like, what the fuck would you say if you didn't know? Or is it okay to say when I'm not in the room? And then when those things happen, I'm I'm constantly being externally and internally gaslit. Like, am I being too sensitive? Am I blowing this out of proportion? Maybe I don't have a say. And anybody who passes, quite honestly, can understand the unique sting of what it's like to exist in a duality of a marginalized and a non-marginalized identity. I imagine trans folks who pass hear transphobic tropes because people didn't know. Jewish people who pass as Gentiles hear anti-Semitic shit, and then people have to walk it back because they didn't know. Neurodiverse people hear stuff all the time that's incredibly ableist if they pass, and then people have to walk it back because they didn't know. Maybe we could just try this. Maybe we could just try treating people as though they are a part of, related to, know someone who is a member of a marginalized group. Like, I, I just, how would you walk through the world in, if you thought that the racist thing you were going to say might potentially harm the person that was standing across from you? When I think about being a white passing Asian woman, the microaggressions are really what come up. And and microaggressions, again, are those things where you're like, maybe that was racist. I don't really know. And again, that gaslighting comes back. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe they didn't mean it that way. But if, again, if I hid behind my whiteness and assumed that all of these things were not meant in that way, then I'm not doing my due diligence to stand up and denounce white supremacy. The microaggressions that I've experienced, again, are like nothing compared to a person who navigates the world in a fully marginalized body. They're not. I'm only speaking from my perspective. For those of you who don't know, I'm white and Filipina. I grew up in a household that was white. My mom is white. My sisters are white. My mom is my biological mom. And I grew up the oldest of five girls. So when we would go out, we would turn heads, right? It was was a lot to see a, a woman have five children who are all pretty close in age. And the amount of times that my mom would be asked, are these all your kids? 
she would say yes. And then they would point at me and say, even her, I I couldn't tell you how many times that question has been asked, how many times I've been present for whether or not I belong in my own family from strangers and who strangers think that it's okay to point that out. Where are you really from? That's another favorite microaggression of mine from Michigan. Where are your parents from? Michigan. Where are they really from? Michigan. When people are asking me that question of where are you really from, they don't want to know what state I'm from or where I was born. They want to know how they can label me and other me, probably to help them feel a little bit better about what they can and can't say in front of me. But also it's another way of distancing themselves of, again, furthering this idea of of Asians as being other and being foreigners. And the other microaggression I get a lot is, I couldn't even tell you were Filipino. What? You couldn't even tell? I don't know how I'm supposed to interpret that. When I say, oh, I couldn't even tell to somebody, I'm usually saying like, oh, you know, somebody comes off of a stage or a presentation like, oh my God, I had a piece of spinach in my teeth. And my response is, I couldn't even tell. It's no big deal. So when people tell me they couldn't even tell that I'm Filipino, it totally cuts at what and even right now can i tell you what's going on in my head i'm wondering are these tears tears of white fragility Mm -hmm. questioning myself constantly constantly and this is why amplifying voices of asian folks particularly from non-asian poc and white people is extra important because right now we're trying to cope We are trying to have our voices heard. We're trying to have our bodies protected and not from police. Pulling from Audre Lorde, we know the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. We cannot call on police to protect Asians. It will only further increase violence and reinforce anti-Black sentiments that I absolutely know are existent in the Asian community. We need to stop this infighting with each other as racially marginalized folks. We have to see that the enemy here is white supremacy. It's not us versus each other. It's us versus this system that has been holding us back and is causing us to question whether or not we belong. I don't have a good call to action. I don't have a good takeaway for you today. And I just want to share kind of what's been going on and where I'm coming from. Scary to film a video and and be vulnerable and to also question what kind of blowback I'm going to get. But I want to say to you, if you are Asian American and watching this video, you are Asian enough. I need to hear that. And I imagine you do too. You are Asian enough if you are adopted. You are Asian enough if you grew up in an assimilated household. You are Asian enough if you are a third culture kid. You are Asian enough if you are mixed in some way. And we have to stop saying that only certain people are allowed to have their voices heard when it comes to racism. Neither the host or guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, medical, or other professional information. If you want professional help, please seek it out.